Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Martha? Martha? Welcome. This is Marcia Nelson with the new Feminine Wealth. I think we're having a technical difficulty. Hold on. Kimberly, is that you? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay, hold on. I'm I'm introducing you. Great. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it is the funniest thing. Last time I had you on the show, we had mad last-minute moment technical difficulties, and the same thing happened again today. I think you and I have such high energy that we are just burning out the circuits. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> well, let's stick you back behind the curtain, and I'll introduce you. Okay. <laughs> so, listeners, this is going to be Kimberly. This is going to be Kimberly Hudson, and this is her second time on my show, The New Feminine Wealth. She is a dynamic, engaging person. She has a life story that is relevant to our times, and, you know, she has, a, a I think, a very open, uh, natural Authentic is the word I'm looking for. A very authentic way of presenting herself. And that is gold. Talk about the new feminine wealth. The ability to be authentic in whatever our life experience is and to be able to, to be secure enough within ourselves that we can speak about it openly and honestly with healthy boundaries, of course. That is such a gift. That is gold. When we have that, everything else in our lives uh, can fall into place more easily. So the reason I had Kimberly come back is that uh, last time, and, and look for this in the archives, by the way, it's uh, new convert, what is it, new, new, co- new conversation, changing the conversation about money, I think is the title of it. And it's in the archives from uh, early November. Uh, listen to part one. Today is a continuation of it. Uh, We're going to go into some more depth. But what I loved about our our last conversation is that we started to go deep then. We started to talk about some things that, in general, in normal conversation among people, are rather difficult to talk about because there are taboos about it. And sometimes we are not even conscious that we are being stifled by a taboo and one that does not need to be there. So the taboo that Kimberly Hudson and I are going to be breaking again today and probably even more so is the taboo against talking about money. We all, you know, well, not all of us, but most of us, I certainly remember this, had parents that said in some context, oh, no, don't talk about money or don't ask people about money, or it's not... I remember being 10 years old, and my mother, for some reason, saying, well, it's not polite for people to talk about money. People get uncomfortable. And she was right in those times, and it's still true today. People get uncomfortable. Kimberly and I do not want people to get uncomfortable anymore. We want to help people become comfortable talking about money. When you choose to talk about money more in your life with your friends, with your colleagues, maybe with family, whomever is close to you, you can still have and and should have healthy boundaries. It doesn't mean that you just blab anything. 
you need to assess, is this a situation where I want to be talking about money? Do I have trust with these people? Are the things that I'm sharing or want to be sharing or want to be asking them about uh, appropriate, relevant? Would it be empowering for me? And this is, I think, the, the key one. Will it be, well, talking about this, be if it goes well, will talking about this be empowering for me and empowering for the other person as well? If the answer is yes, this will be empowering for me and for the other person, then Kimberly and I want to give you some tools for becoming more comfortable and for beginning those conversations. And then once you've started the conversation, we want to give you some tools for facilitating that conversation because the other person might be uncomfortable too. But for both of you to be able to continue talking in this new way about money can be very empowering and liberating. Here's where one of the places I come from with this. I believe pretty much about everything that women want. If women can't talk about it, women can't really have it. They might acquire it, but they can't really have it. And with money... I think that's true across the board no matter what a woman's financial situation is. She can be really, really struggling. She can be in the middle of middle class and want to, and and really aspires to become more financially successful. She can be a woman who is already of high net worth or very high net worth. doesn't matter the financial level. If that woman is not comfortable around money, whether she has it or not, it's going to be a problem for her. It's going to be a heartache or it's going to be an anxiety-producing part of her life. And Kimberly and I do not want you to have that kind of anxiety. Life can be tough enough and challenging enough to deal with the things that happen. We want money to be your friend. We want you to think about money and your body relaxes. In fact, this is a good time to take a litmus test. Think about money. I'll say the the word money a few times and just notice what happens in your body. Do your shoulders tense up? Does your jaw tighten? Does you get a knot in your belly? Or do you relax? Do your shoulders drop? Do you feel like you're lighter, heavier? What is it? And any answer is okay. Just be honest with yourself. So I'll say the the word a few times and take a breath. Tune into your body. Just notice what happens. You're just wondering. I wonder what happens when I listen to this word that Marsha's about to say. Money. 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 What happened when I said that? You can tell me, in fact, because you can call in and have a conversation with Kimberly and me, and you can already tell it's going to be fun to talk to Kimberly and me. (laughs) You can email your answer at listeners, that's plural with an S, listeners at sylviaglobal.com. Just put a new feminine wealth question in the subject line so that the producer will spot it instantly and forward it to me. That's listeners at sylviaglobal.com. And Sylvia, of course, is just the name Sylvia, S-Y-L-V-I-A. You can call... Oh, did I give the phone number? I told you to call. I didn't give you a phone number. Um, <laughs> you have to be highly intuitive to call us. You have to know the phone number. Okay, here it is. It's um, 347-215-6138. 347-215-6138. 
You can also tweet your question, I mean your comment. Oh, it's better to, no, don't even tweet this one. I want a little more of an answer than, than, than 140 characters. But you can put it on Facebook at Sylvia Global Facebook page. Um, yeah, so that's good. That's good to get to know. And, and uh, Kimberly and I are going to give you uh, some very specific tools and so on and so forth. So without further ado... I want to uh, re-announce Kimberly <laughs> and <laughs> uh, Kimberly Hudson is uh, getting to be a very, very good friend of mine, and she has a background as an entrepreneur from a very young age. Started her first company as a teenager, and altogether, I believe, started twelve different uh, businesses, and became very successful in her own right as an entrepreneur. She then, a few years ago, became an inheritor. She grew up in a wealthy family, but I think did not really realize the degree of wealth until uh, her uh, second parent died and she received her inheritance. I'm going to ask her some questions about what today, very specifically, to, to walk us through that transition. What was that transition like for her? So... Um, sit on the edges of your seat for that. It's going to be good. And she also has become a uh, supporter of others. She is a uh, venture capitalist, so she supports uh, other businesses and helps them get up and going or go to the next level. Kimberly Hudson, welcome back, my friend. Yes. Thank you, Marsha. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, and I want to. I should tell 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 you all, listeners, that uh, Kimberly will be back because we will have more to say after this conversation <laughs> and after uh, this show is over today. Uh, I definitely want you to go to the Sylvia Global Facebook page and put in your comments, your questions, and things you want to hear about in the future. What would you like to hear more from? Uh, I mean, more about from Kimberly and me. So probably in the new year, she'll be back. <laughs> Even And we will brave the storm of technical difficulties. We don't mind. Yes, we will. <laughs> we always fail. At the very last second when the music is playing, we always prevail. So Kimberly... I gave the, the nutshell version of your story. Uh, I should mention that for more detail about your upbringing around money, the, the values your parents instilled with, within you about money, which is, I think, an excellent template for parents to follow so that they can raise children who are empowered, not entitled or disconnected from their their financial security within themselves, really feeling money as, as a friend and as a positive, empowering source that they can use to take good care of themselves and to contribute to others and to the world. So that's in part one. People go back and listen. It's really enriching. Um, but your story, take us to that place, whatever you want to say about what maybe I've left out, and then, to, and then take us to that place that where you did receive your inheritance and walk us through what was that like before and then mm -hmm. as you found out what your inheritance was and then right afterwards. Because this is a, a conversation nobody ever really talks about publicly. What is that like? It's important to know. And I know you're really confident. It is. And, and because it's not talked about, um, I kind of went through it. Thankfully, I'd had a lot of training my parents, as you said, um, one of their biggest gifts was they trained me to be without them, which might sound really shocking and maybe harsh, but I think it's one of the biggest gifts that parents can give their children, uh, in not just the financial area, but emotional, uh, social, all of that. Um, I was very blessed. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold, so if I cough every once in a while, excuse me. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, when I, before my mother passed away, um, 
I had done well for myself. Um, I had certainly done, you know, as well or better than most of my peers, and I've been very, very fortunate. That being said, I also had some cataclysmic failures because that's how business is. Um, but overall, I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I, I feel one of my blessings is kind of having a sixth sense of what's coming next in the marketplace and um, capitalizing on that. But um, I've done well enough. Like I took off six months and did not work. Um, or I, of course I did some, but basically did not work in order to care for my mom. I'm an only child, and uh, my dad had already passed, so that's what you do. You know, you take care of, or at least that's what I was taught to do, take care of your parents. And I was fortunate enough that they were two of my best friends, and most of the time it was a pleasure. Of course, it's not ever always a <laughs> pleasure but uh, most of the time it was a pleasure and I'm grateful that I had that time and you know I thought okay you know great I'll you know I'll inherit a little bit of money and it'll you know make up for that six months I didn't work oh well no big deal it'll all wash out and um, it ended up doing much much more than that and I had I had no idea um but because my parents always lived, um, they lived well, but they lived frugally. They believed, as do I, in spending money more on experiences and learning than on material possessions. Um, yes, they had a nice house. Yes, they had nice things. But they also had the same furniture that they'd had for 20 years. They they weren't spenders. Um, well, except they're maybe on shoes for my mom. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> A lot of women don't even consider that an expenditure. It's more of just something that has to happen. Exactly. You know, I'm not one of them. My shoes, my feet don't fit into shoes well enough that I've ever become attached to shoes. But I, I, I observe. I, I hear. It's true. So. Um, anyway, after. Um, after my mother did pass, um, and I realized how well off they had been. Um, well, and uh, let me back that up a minute. My dad had actually lost everything at one point and uh, had apparently built everything back up very nicely. And I was still under the impression of, okay, they lost everything. They've got enough to pay their bills. They're They're okay, but certainly had no idea that he'd built it back up to that degree. Um, so anyway, um, when that happened and when I found that out, I kept it very, very private for a, a good long time. Um, not only because I was not accustomed to it, but also because of the emotional side of it. Um, but as I became more comfortable with it and more comfortable with it within myself, um, I feel like there was this shift happened, this aha moment of, wow, I was fortunate before, but now I have choices. I have a lot of choices. And for a while, actually, it was very overwhelming. Um, You think that you know, having infinite choices is a good thing. It's not always extremely that's so important. Let's 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 really uh, 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 slow go through this in a in a detailed way because a lot of people don't realize that and it can be quite a, a shock, can it? Yes, it can. It can. And again, it's because it's something that's not talked about. There's very little information out there about it. And there's very few people to go to. I mean, most people that go to a job every day from 9 to 5, when if you were to say to them, I'm really feeling overwhelmed because I have too much wealth and I don't know what my next step is, would roll their eyes at you. <laughs> and understandably so. It's a delightful problem to have, but it is still 
a burden and a problem until you work through it and until you take the time to look at it in a holistic, rational, grounded way. And once I was able to do that, and it took time, just like healing takes time, grieving takes time, it took time. And honestly, I just put it aside and didn't pretend that it wasn't there um, for, for a good year and a half or so. Maybe a year, year and a half. Um, which, which is... Wait for a tough. moment. Tell me why. What was it that you were feeling that made you put it aside and not be able to really look at it or deal with it or do anything with it? Part of it was the grieving process. Um, as anybody that's lost somebody very close to them knows, um, it really takes about a year for you to pull your head back up. Uh, my mom wasn't just my mom. She was my best friend. We talked multiple times a day. Um, she she was an extraordinary woman and human being. Um, she was She had the unconditional love thing to her very, very bones. She was remarkable. So it was a huge loss on many, many, many levels in my life. Um, And like I said, if you read anything about grief and mourning, it takes about a year to get through that. So that was part of it. Um, And that money represented my parents. And I wanted very badly to make intelligent grounded, good decisions with it. And I knew I was not in the space to do that. Um, And if I had tried to make decisions in that space, they would have ended up being probably pretty disastrous. Um, So it, it came out of a desire to honor their work and to honor what they had done in their lives and what they taught me. Um, Yes, there was some moments of um, fear in there, of overwhelm, of, wow, this is a lot of responsibility. What do I do next? But all of it, I think, was really grounded in that desire to honor my parents and what they had done and to do well by them and by what they had taught me. Um, so I feel like, excuse me again, um, I feel like by taking that time, I was resetting myself. And in that reset, I feel like I gained a perspective. I had these incredible aha moments of, wow, I get to help people. I get to do things in my community that I didn't get to do before. I get to invest in multiple businesses, not just my own. Uh, I get to I get to manage this gift. And it was a series of decisions. It was a series of aha moments. It was many, many hours of meditating and walking in the woods and crying and all of that that goes through major transitions in life. Um, But on the flip side, and partially I think I came to this conclusion due to what I was taught by my parents about finances and money and personal responsibility growing up, but also because of the work that I'd done on my own. through travel and study and what mattered to me. Um, does that answer the question? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and you know, um, often people are, and we mentioned this a little bit on, uh, well, actually quite a bit last on our, our part one, our last conversation, but people are afraid money will change them or others are afraid that they're, you know, that you will be changed. What way, do, you can't not be changed by a profound right. experience. And when receiving a large inheritance comes at the same time as losing a parent, as you mentioned, there's that, that grief and the money represented your parents. And there's also 
the the sense of something in you has to change, not only for the grieving process, but did you feel you needed to step up to the plate in a new way about how to handle your money? And did you have to go through, did you have to develop a new system for making decisions about it? Was that easy? Was that hard? Did it come naturally? Did you seek outside help to get advice? What was that element for like for you specifically? Well, it definitely was a shift, Marcia. It um it felt like going from young womanhood to being and I I just turned forty, so I'm by no means in age wise this. I felt like I had this huge shift between being an, a young woman and all of a sudden being a mother crone figure because all of a sudden I was in a position that I could um, manage more, that I was more responsible, that I did feel a very, very, very deep responsibility for uh, my family's wealth. Um and I came to learn that it wasn't just my parents, it was also my grandparents. So this is two generations of, of wealth that ended up with me. And yes, it's a very, very deep responsibility. And the shift, um, like I said, it was gradual. And yes, I talked to people, some of my very dearest friends, most of them women, um, who are trusted advisors and whether or not that they've ever ever been through that, they're wise women. And they, most of them knew my parents and were sounding boards and both emotionally and for the money part of it. Um, I started reading a lot, um, uh, whether it be blogs or books. I just started educating myself more and more um about what I wanted to do next because honestly I really didn't know um and to that degree in some ways I'm still figuring it out um I'm in the middle of starting a new venture that I think is pretty true to the um the tenants that I've set out there that I want to have in my business in my life but it's a constant process. As any of us know, it is a constant process to assess what matters to you, to assess how you relate to your finances. Um, and, yeah, going through that, it was a maturing. It was a um, a shift in perspective. And almost, I mean, I'm still a lighthearted, fun person, but almost a sobering effect of oh this is this is real life. I don't have my parents to turn to anymore um i I am in full responsibility of the family finances. Oh well, I guess I need to get my act in gear. <laughs> And I always had been responsible, of course. I'd done well in business. But there was always that kind of feeling in the back of my head of if everything just went to heck in a handbasket, I could always go to my parents. Now, that being said, I never did. In starting all of my businesses, starting my first one when I was 17, I never went to my parents for help. There were a couple of times that they, without my asking, helped me, you know, but it was never much. They'd give me a check for, you know, $1,000 because they saw that my car needed repairs or something when I was young. But I think most parents do that. Yeah. Um, But that being said, all of a sudden, I was filling that role for myself. So I had to be extraordinarily responsible and wise. And I found this deep part of myself that I always knew was there, but this wisdom that I could check in with. And if it if it hummed, if it had this feeling, okay, I'm on the right track and I could look into it further. And if I 
did not resonate with me, then I just drop it. Yeah. And that is that's an enormous tool. Let's talk about some of the specific taboos about talking about money, and, and let's let's get to some templates or uh, some specific things that people can do to get started. You know, as women, we talk about things. That's that's what we do. We talk about details. We talk about oh, what our boyfriend or our girlfriend or our this or our that, whoever in our life, what they did, what they said, and then I said this, and then this happened. And we are so good at sharing relevant minutia. That's one <laughs> of our skills. <laughs> and I say relevant because it's always relevant when we're the ones speaking it. Um, and yet when it comes to money, we do not... Share details, that's one of the taboos. And I notice it in two ways. There's two ways I want to help all of us make a cultural shift here. One is women are really supporting each other now in growing their businesses. It can be tricky because very often the colleagues that would perhaps understand most what you're trying to do and have the best ideas for you are your competitors or their people in the same field where you don't want to show your vulnerabilities and so on and so forth. And yet, even with that, women find ways these days to, to support each other in growing their businesses, to handle the daily the, the issues that come up in the daily operations and with employees and so on, and also with uh, setting financial goals and achieving them. And with that, they very often won't talk about amounts. Um, one of the new kinds of conversation is to find ways that are comfortable and relevant to to talk about amounts. Another way it comes up is in um, talking about how much money you make or some specifics about how much money you have. I think that's the hugest taboo. When I was in Europe this summer, I was doing interviews uh, with women for my book I'm writing called The New Feminine Wealth. And... Each time I sat down with a European woman and said, I am initiating new kinds of conversations about money and wealth, every single one of them, no, almost every one of them said, oh, you Americans, you're always trying to ask people how much money they have. And I said, no. (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe, yes, in some ways. That's the old conversation that we think is that money's going to be about. But new conversations are about so many other things. And yet it can be really helpful to 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 be able to choose people to talk about about uh these figures. So what might be some ways some circumstances where it would be beneficial and some ways, let's talk about some ways women can actually bring up that subject that are safe, that are will become comfortable with practice, but most importantly will be empowering for both women in the conversation. They'll both walk away from that being more enriched and more empowered and less isolated on that subject. Yes. Um Something that I found that we talked about yesterday is we should excuse me the, we should just tell people that you and I had a conversation yesterday. Oh yes, <laughs> it's not one that they should go look for in the archives. <laughs> but we will right. <laughs> we will recap. Um, but anyway, um, something that I have found very useful, and um, as I was telling you, I just used this the other day, um, is in talking with people that are trusted in my life, that I know are that have my best interests, they're good friends, they're um, colleagues, maybe in a cross uh, business way that 
is or is not competition but isn't direct competition uh, that would be harmful to either of our businesses, that sort of thing. We all know who those people are. There are girlfriends, there are the loving men in our lives that are supportive. There um, are our friend that is really, really, really adept at finance. Um, we know who those people in our lives are. And when we're talking to them, you know, I'm starting up this new business, and a good friend of mine was here visiting. He's very adept at business and finance. And so I was able to, on our walk, start bringing up the numbers in the financing of this business. And they're pretty large numbers, but I know him well enough to know that he cares about me as person. It has nothing to do with my finances, nor will he disclose it to other people. So he's safe. And I was able to start bringing up numbers, and that led us into a really, really special and in-depth discussion about what was capable and right and a good way to go forward with some of the things in this new business venture that I don't think would have happened before. It would have been a much more general conversation if I had not brought up those numbers. And something else I found is as a business owner and as an investor, if I am the one to bring up those numbers first, and I don't have to, it doesn't have to be exact numbers, it doesn't have to be showing off, it has nothing to do with ego, it has to do with information and sharing and support. And as soon as you step out of that ego, the numbers really don't matter if you're choosing the right people to talk to. And I found if you bring up these numbers in the conversation, then it provides a safe space for somebody else to bring up numbers as well. And I found that in doing that, people end up talking to me about their investment goals, about their philanthropy goals, about I found out that friends had gone through something similar, inherited money that I had no idea about. They were terrified to talk to any about it, anybody about it. And because I was open, it gave them a space to be able to start that conversation. And it gives me a space to talk about it and be comfortable with it. And again, not in an ego-driven way, in a grounded way that is just informational. And it Uh, sounds like it was as liberating for your friend as it was for you. Yes, absolutely. And I... Huh? No, go right ahead. I was just going to say I've experienced that many times. So this is a way, another way for women actually to bond, to become closer friends or or closer business colleagues or or supporters. Network, you know, I meet women at sometimes at wonderful networking events that I stay connected with, and we really become supporters of each other's businesses and each other's goals and and so on and so forth. So sometimes that that can happen even when there isn't a friendship first, but you really click at that level of a high-level mutual support. So this is one way we have that trust and that kind of relationship that we can then bring in numbers and that relationship becomes even more supportive and valuable. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me and give then it. it well, let me give an example. Take, oh. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me give an example from from my life because you know uh, we're talking about this, and it was really just about a year ago that all of a sudden it shifted for me because I hadn't really questioned this. You know, I'd really ever talked with my. I have friends that I've been friends with for decades, and. I was a perfect example of it never really occurred to me to talk numbers with them, except, uh, you know, for a little this project or that project or raising money for the nonprofit that I had for about 11 years and so on and so forth. But for my own business and my own life, not so much. And 
I sat down to dinner, I think maybe it was around this time of year last year, with one of my longtime friends, Linda, whom I would trust implicitly. She, you know, we have so much trust, but we had never talked about what we earned. And it came up because I was at a place in my business where I had started a new level of my business and I had bigger goals and some of those goals were starting to be achieved and I was very, very happy and I was very excited and I was sharing with her what was going on. And and in that process, I found myself sharing numbers of what had already been achieved and, and what I was projecting for the next year and so on and so forth. And I was so, it was so important to bring that in because that was an integral part of what my project was and what I was talking about. And as I was talking with her in that way, I was aware that I was breaking new ground. And, but I felt really comfortable because I was comfortable in myself in doing it. And then, as you know, she we talked about that and and so on. It was very good. Then I said to her, "Well, what do you what do you earn?" And it's the first time I've ever asked anybody that, except over the course of my 25 years as a life and business coach, when it was rel- immediately relevant to the subject that my client was talking about, you know, and I needed some numbers to help her move forward so we could set some specific goals and we could set our sights in a very specific way. But it was, and so my friend Linda, she paused and she just answered me. And since then, it's become much more comfortable for me. And like you say, and well, I keep thinking of these women in Europe that were talking to me with as though wanting to talk about how much money you are earning or you're moving around in your life is so threatening. There's an assumption that it's for the purpose of judging. Mm-hmm. And the new feminine wealth kind of conversation that you and I are talking about right now has nothing to do with judging. It's a conversation that can take place when there is a network of support in that relationship where it's understood it's for the purpose of being mutually supportive and to be able to enjoy success, which we really need to do and and support each other in, and to um, get support for moving forward with our new aspirations. Yes. Absolutely. That support that we can have for each other is so crucial. When, When we're alone and don't have anybody to talk to, don't have that support, we are far less um, able to handle when things do go wrong, because they will. It's life. It's business. Things will go wrong. And when we have a really strong network around us of trusted advisors and friends, and most of the time, even if somebody starts out, like you said, as an advisor, they become a friend when you start opening up like that. It's kind of inevitable, unless there's just a personality conflict, which usually isn't the case. And when we surround ourselves with these exceptional people that we can turn to, that gives us the the strength and the um, the redundancy in our lives to go on and to pick up the pieces when something does happen. And we'll reiterate here that we're talking about choosing people where you genuinely feel that it's a safe conversation and you're choosing information that would not come back and bite you. So you have healthy boundaries about it. And once you have those healthy boundaries in place, then you can go ahead and have the conversations. And to give people a template, it's the first part of the, the template, it sounds like, well, first is assessing. Is this really a, a trustworthy person? Do we have trust in our relationship and so on? Will this be helpful and empowering for me and also for them? You know, you, so that's, that's, that's part one of the template, that assessment. And it, it can be 
you probably know the answers to that, but it's good to think about it. Um, and then the second part of the template would be to share, to create a context. So you're sharing, you know, I am, for, for me with Linda, it was, I've been, uh, doing this, I've been having this kind of goal in my business, this, this new level is opening up, these are my goals, this is why I'm doing it, this is why it's so, <clears throat> excuse me, so meaningful. And this is what's happening. This, you know the the revenues are this, and I'm really excited and 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 you know and and you know I'm so I'm really feel really good that I can share this kind of information with you. You can say that to the person. It's so meaningful to me to be able to share this information, and that sets the context for it. And you're the first one you share. You're just sharing. So choosing, assessing. Is this a, the right situation for me? Um, setting a context, this is what it's about, this is what I'm working toward or achieving, and then you share your numbers that are relevant. Because the worst thing is for us to have all these numbers in us and we can't talk about it. That reinforces that we shouldn't, that there's something wrong with it, and that's very isolating. So that's those three steps. And then the fourth step of the template is to invite that person's response. And it may be that they simply talk more in detail with you about what you've just shared, which means you have a money conversation going. And it may be that they begin to share their own experience, as you were saying, Kimberly, with that friend who had inherited and had been terrified to talk about it. It opens the door and that the person may share and it also, if, if the trust is there and you're feeling it, you can you, you can also very gently ask questions of your other, your friend. Well, you know, I might you I understand if you don't want to answer, um, but I, I would like to know what are your financial goals or what is happening for you. Can you share me what's ha- what's happening for you in your financial world right now? And just open the conversation in a gentle way that gives them an easy out where they won't feel that they have to. But that's the best way for women to talk anyway, where we're inviting, we're sharing and inviting others to share. Absolutely. And, you know, for me that brings up um, even more of a general conversation. Yes, we can talk about numbers with our closest friends and our closest advisors and the people that we have vetted in that way. But even more than that, we can talk about wealth in general, richness in general, money in general, with almost anyone. And opening up these conversations, whether they be the really deep, intimate conversations like we were just talking about, or the more surface ones that still open up conversations where people generally feel uncomfortable, until we are able to do that, like you said earlier in the program, we cannot own our wealth because until we are comfortable discussing something and even teaching it, we do not own it. And that's not only true as individuals, that's true of our country. Until we get over this discomfort with wealth, with liking money, with liking the choices it brings, or the shoes it brings, for that matter. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's true. That's so true, because until we really own it in that way where it's comfortable and empowering, feels empowering for us rather than threatening or um, disorienting, to even having the money, it can feel like it's working against us as much as for us. It can be destabilizing. And once we really own it and can talk about it and have some some safe sources for that and we we are comfortable in our own skin in that kind of new conversation around money, uh, it's there's a world of difference between the discomfort and the comfort. And absolutely. And I think another thing that the the discussions dispels is there's either the discomfort and not wanting to talk about it or the grasping for it. And anything we're grasping for, we don't actually own. Anything that we are um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Really, um, oh gosh, my this darn cold. My brain is not working right. <laughs> yeah. Anything that we are grasping for, that we are um, needing to have, is not something that we already own deep within us. If we can have intelligent, grounded, loving conversations regarding wealth and money, then we own it. It is us. And it doesn't matter if you have a job and you're wanting just to save more. It's still ownership of it if you are comfortable with it. It will no longer fly through your fingers. You will have a grasp of it. That's right. That's right. And I have a a question here, or a comment really, but it's a perfect one uh, for us to talk about. And it says, I'm afraid if I start talking about my money, word will get out and people will want will will start asking for some of it. Yes, and that's a really important thing to talk about and something that doesn't get talked about by people that have wealth that often. Um it's happened to me. Absolutely, and especially I invest in small startup companies and um I've had some very very odd requests <laughs> for startup capital. Uh, I've seen some very, very, very odd business plans. And unfortunately, some of these have come from people within my social circle. Um, And I've even had very rude encounters with people, like when I've respectfully declined. I've had people tell me that I have money and they deserve it. Um, I've had people tell me that I'm rich, I should just give it to them. It happens. These you, are people... How do you handle that? How do you handle that? Because I think implied in this question is, what do I do about that? Because on one hand, people want to be comfortable. We're, we're, we're suggesting conversations start up in safe environments. But this, this person has a point. Word can get out. And... It's 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 one of the fears. How do how do I handle that? Nobody likes for somebody else to speak unkindly to us or to tell us we're not doing what we should or to complain. But you've just given an ex- some example of how that is very likely to happen at some point. What do you do to keep an even keel within yourself so that it doesn't make you shut down again and? Um, Keep, keep go back to being isolated and, and not talking. Right, absolutely. Well, I have found that, first of all, the majority of people, uh, or at least the majority of people that I have been blessed to surround myself with and I've chosen to surround myself with, are really loving and supportive about it. Um, any negative interaction that I've had regarding money like that has come from people that are on more on the fringes of my life. That being said, not everybody has even family that would not be um, aggressive towards them. I understand that. Uh, there might be colleagues that are in your life, etc. I understand that. And the way that I handle it is it goes back to just being comfortable with it. I know within myself that, A, I deserve the money. I've worked hard. And even though part of it's from my family, because I was a part of that family and because I was a part of, I might not have been earning it, but I was a part of that process. And I own that. It's part of who I am. Hmm. And that's good. I deserve it. So I know deep within myself that it's okay. I deserve this. And just because somebody else has a negative feeling towards it because they have not taken the time to really have that ownership quality when it comes to money or wealth, that doesn't mean it affects mine. That means I can have compassion for them, but that doesn't mean 
that they get my money by default. So getting clear on that, getting clear on that is can be really helpful. And then I imagine having conversations with your trusted people in your life, where where you already can have this going back and sharing what happened and getting back to an even keel and a clear place, knowing that when somebody feels they deserve some of your money just because you have it and they don't, which does happen sometimes, that that's just that's just one of the ways that we need to be able to recognize other people are going to be unhappy sometimes. We have to do that in all, all kinds of parts of our lives. We have to be willing to let other people be unhappy with us, and we can still be happy with ourselves. But I like that that Absolutely. you said oh, it, because it's part of your life. It's part of your your family. It doesn't mean that they don't deserve money, but just because you have it and they don't doesn't mean they deserve yours. And I think that's really important for people to get clear in their own ways and and having supportive people in your life to help you talk that through can really make the difference. You know, I'm wondering if people... I'm thinking, uh, just because we have only about three or four minutes left, I want to make a suggestion that people journal about some of the things that we've been talking about. That journaling is such a powerful tool and... One of the things I would, I'm going to suggest two or three things that that can you can journal about. One is what we started with early when I said the word money three times. What did that feel like in your body? Do that for yourself, and you might have felt lovely and wonderful, or you might have felt contracted or worried or tense, whatever. The important thing is the awareness. If we're not aware, then we really can't move forward in the, in whatever way we want to around this subject. So to journal, just say say the word money three times to yourself and then write whatever you notice in your body or your emotions um, or your you might be fears that come to mind or it might be uh, things that you're really happy about or looking forward to or or enjoying already. Do the same thing with the word wealthy three times, wealthy, 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 notice what's happening in your body, and just journal it out. And then the word rich, because wealthy and rich often have a different charge, and yet they have the same meaning. Say it three times to yourself, and then journal it out, just for awareness, just for exploration. And then, Kimberly had an idea, which I'm going to shorten for you right now, which is, Ask yourself, what would my life be like if I had wealth at the next highest level? Whatever your level is, double it, triple it, make it whatever would be a really much higher level for you. Imagine it and journal that out. It's just to be aware. It's just you'll find out how you really feel about this subject. That is part of becoming comfortable in your own skin, to know how you really feel and what these words and these concepts and these experiences mean to you. I want to remind everybody you have been listening to The New Feminine Wealth. I am Marsha Nelson. I am a coach, confidant, and catalyst to high net worth women. You can reach me through my website at MarshaNelson.com. You can also uh, click on my picture at SylviaGlobal.com as one of the show hosts. Email me right on my Facebook page. On the Sylvia Global Facebook page, go and write questions and comments. Uh, be thrilled to hear them, to answer them. Kimberly will go on and answer things if you ask her. Uh, really want to keep this dialogue going. And I also want to Want to, I want to remind you that Tuesday mornings, my show starts at 9.30 Pacific Time, but at 8 o'clock Pacific Time, there is a show called Wealth Psychology with Emily uh, Bouchard and Jamie uh, Mun- Traeger-Muni, and I really want you to listen to their show. It's fabulous. Then you get a half-hour break, go get a cup of tea, walk your dog around the block, 
Come back in and listen to me here at the New Feminine Wealth. And Kimberly Hudson, you are fabulous. You will be back in the new year, and we will continue our conversations. Thank you so that much for being a part Marcia. of this. Thank you yeah. for asking. I, I've really enjoyed it. We talk about fun stuff, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, have a great week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.